I mean, so this is an interesting scenario, guys. It's like the whole fucking premise of your podcast is like I'm working that out right now as we speak. And the last I was thinking about it and like literally in the last two years, at least two years, I've released like one single thing, like a commercial for Mazda or a couple commercials for Mazda. And almost everything I've been doing is like secretive and it's like the biggest project of my career and I can't even, I can't even go into it. You know, I, fuck. I mean, again, I, as you can hear, I don't have, I don't have the shit figured out. I don't have an angle right now or a, uh, or I, 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 I should say like a clear perspective um, on all of this. Hello and welcome to Beautiful Failures Podcast. This is Andy Real. And I'm Stephen Keach. And this is a show where we interview creatives about failures in their life and career that help propel them where they are today. Welcome to 2024, new year. We actually made it a year, Stephen. One year. <laughs> How does it feel? Uh, it feels good great and also a lot has happened in a year i feel like we wanted to get to 24 guests uh last year that was our goal and we 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 definitely failed yeah we, we had a beautiful failure if you will uh and you know we you do what you can do but i am proud of all of the episodes from last For year sure. and i'm really excited about this year because i feel like we have had kind of a uh reinvigoration of sorts i guess yeah we appreciate any positive feedback we get from you guys um, as far as loving what we're doing and encouraging us to keep doing it so thank you for that uh please send us any recommendations this particular guest that we're going to kick the year off is funny in the sense that we asked him to be our first guest ever last year and he politely declined actually the clip that you heard at the beginning of this episode is a voice memo that he sent me and andy uh, about his reservations on being on the podcast this time, but thankfully he came around. Uh, the guest is a good friend of both of ours, Kale Glendinning. He's a director. I've known him for 15 plus years since essentially we were both kids. Steven has known him for years as well. And tell, tell us the backstory of, of you yeah, and Kale. He was the first director that uh, ever brought me on to score uh a film and just wild man. yeah so i worked on a documentary with him back in 2011 and we talk a little bit about it uh in the podcast but uh man it, it, he, he just is a very important person in my life because mm -hmm. uh first of all he's just an incredibly talented person but he's also so driven and tenacious and he he has an eye for um for aesthetics and uh, just a beautiful uh, eye for film. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it's just incredible to see how far he's gotten uh, in his journey and how he keeps pushing forward. And um, it's always very inspiring to to hear his stories and, and stuff like that. So this conversation is pretty insane. Yeah. Um, it brought and, back a lot of memories for me. Like I yeah. remember, I mean, I've, I've known Kale like pre-iPhones. We joke about everything from like, talking at our what projects we got early on in our career via IM to like his early projects in the rainforest to him working with Kevin Costner now and just the the crazy ups and downs of being a filmmaker and um, developing um, series and, and films as well and, and not giving up this is a great listen for anyone who just you know 
needs that l- extra encouragement to keep going because uh, Kale's story is just really inspiring and um, and just hearing how he's constantly overcoming and pushing through those boundaries and even his relationship with uh, stoicism mm. uh, and and uh, how that philosophy has kind of helped him as a creative. So, yeah, without further ado, here's our conversation with Kale Glendening. How did you first meet Costner? Remind me. Man, you know me. Everything's a fucking story guy. Like, I, I can't just give you, like, a, that's my problem. Like, once I start, you can't shut me the fuck up. <laughs> well, that's great. Perfect I, for a podcast. Do we have permission to interrupt <laughs> you, Kale? Of course. Please. Just fucking just... <laughs> Excuse me. I have something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just snap at me. Uh, so, I mean, years ago, um, I mean, like, 12 years ago, I want to say, which is, it's crazy considering this is my, like, longest collaborative, one of my longest collaborative relationships in my entire career. But I developed the first project, uh, my my first project, uh, unscripted television series, doc series about tribes, uh, like 12 years ago. And... I had no idea what a pitch was, a pitch deck. I didn't know like the treatment fit. Like I had no idea what those things were. And so my only contact in Hollywood at the time was a director, uh, Richard Farmer. What's up, man? Uh, <laughs> he's from Muskogee also. And he lived, uh, his family lived next door to my best friend uh, growing up. I reached out to him and he kind of like took me under his wing, you know, like uh, mentored me a bit. And if I ever had any questions, he's always an open door and let me, he even let me share an office, his office space um, with him at one point, never charged me or anything, which was incredible. Cool. But uh, anywho, um, I, I told him the idea. He absolutely loved it and he wanted to help me develop it. So we, I mean, it was immediate he loved the idea and he, this was when I was like, when I had first moved to Nashville. And so he had come to Nashville. He literally flew to Nashville and we spent like a week sitting down, like just nonstop going through this, put a pitch deck together. I, I can't remember the the full length of how long it took to put together, but we put this deck together. And again, he's completely taking the lead. Um, and he you know, when we finished the deck, he wanted to send it to get some feedback from a few of his uh, contacts in the industry. And so he sent it to this woman named Jason McCall, and she happened to be uh, the production manager of uh, Kevin's production company at the time, Treehouse. Hmm. And uh, he just said, we were just looking for feedback. How can we strengthen this before we take it out to, you know, networks and Whatnot, and she said, uh, uh, she responded, Hey, I absolutely love this. Can I share it with Kevin? Cool, and ideal. <laughs> uh, and I was like, Oh, yeah, uh, great, sure, why not? And Kevin saw it. They, uh, this again, uh, it was all fast, and um, she responded like a few days later. And it's like, Kevin loves this, but he, he wants to he wants to meet you guys because we just signed a first look deal with Lionsgate and we want some unscripted projects. Um, and, uh, this would be perfect for our slate to, to, to pitch right up Kevin's alley. So, um, they're like, can you fly here tomorrow? <laughs> it, was, wow. it was like that. It was that fast. Right. Yeah, it, that's it, crazy. Really was. it was, 
It may not have been the next day, but I remember it being like uh, three days is probably too much. It was probably two days. Yeah. And so we flew to New Orleans from Nashville. Kevin was there filming a a movie. Um, But, you know, at this point, I've never even pitched an idea to a stranger. Yeah. I've only ever pitched an idea to my friend, Richard, the director. And now I'm like flying to meet Kevin Costner on a movie set. Crazy. And, um, so yeah, I flew and then, uh, the, the next morning we're in Kevin's trailer waiting for him to come back from a scene. And that's kind of like we hops, we, we, we played a hopscotch throughout the day. We'd have him back for like 10 minutes and then he, as he'd change and then he'd go film a scene and then he'd come back for like 45 minutes, then he'd leave, then he'd come back for 10 minutes and then he'd leave. Um, so you're basically just like and, in his trailer or what? You're just like waiting. Yeah. And it, literally, in, literally in his trailer. And, <laughs> that's uh, insane. um, and at that point I, that's when I also met, you know, a couple of the people that I'm still friend, like I'm Gilly, the producer that I, that I work with is still this, the same person I met that day, Rod, his business manager, um, all these people. Uh, and, um, we just kept saying, you know, like, oh yeah, okay. Like it was nice to meet you. We'll leave. And Kevin's like, no, you stay, you know, like you guys flew here, like you're going to stay. And then we went and had lunch together. And I mean, that's how it was all day. Like he would go to set to film a new scene. And then like, we'd just be talking to his team, talk about the idea whatnot and um yeah it was just like a pinch me experience you know um, yeah did you have like the you know the the younger version of yourself just jumping up and down inside like <laughs> was i mean it? inside yeah i was like uh, i mean the outer outer i've always been able to somewhat control that obviously i'm not really a i mean sure there's i'm a fan of people for sure but i'm not like ever outwardly like a fanboy to anyone um i kind of like have always respected that uh uh boundary and you know also taking myself serious as a professional at that time i'm like i'm here for a reason meaning like i have an idea that they're interested in you know and so that's what my focus needs to be but of course like inside i'm like how is this my reality right now, you know, but that also in context that, uh, let's call it a contradicts my dreams and my beliefs growing up that that's where I was going to be one day. Like, that's what I want to do. So these are the people I want to create with. These are the, this is the level that I want to create at. And so why, yes, it's like a um, fulfillment, I guess, maybe of a dream, which is, you know, realizing in those moments how special that is. Um, But at the same time, I'm like, well, this is where I'm supposed to be because this is what I've willed into being. And this is what I've said I've always going to, I'm always going to do. I've, I've never had any, you know, um, uh, alternative. And so, yeah, in the moment, I'm for sure. I'm not. It's not lost on me uh, ever. Even still now, like I've ha- I still have these pinch me moments to where I'm 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 calm and collective on the surface. You know, sometimes like a, 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 a the ocean can be, but underneath, it's just like going wild. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So let let's backtrack. So quick background, yeah. Kale. I've known you for. I mean, at this point, over like 15 years, it has to be. I was going through like old kind of memories last night, doing a little bit of research. Um, Keach, how long have you known K? 
Kale, like probably uh, at, when you first moved to Nashville, I think we hung out quite a bit that summer. So at least like 12 years. Um, yeah. yeah. You, my memories of you are definitely aligned with what you're saying. Like I always remember you being like hyper-focused on getting your things made and having lots of great ideas. Um, even like ideas that were like, seemed bigger, even unattainable. What do you think was inside of you? And what was your like earliest memory of feeling like, yo, this is what I want to do and I can do this. Like take us back to to that moment. When, when did all that start? Yeah, I, um, whew. yeah. So I think, you know, growing up, I, uh, I was a Disney kid, you know, and it's it's easy to look back at a lot of those films, especially like, uh, of course, you've probably heard this from people, but like Lion King was my movie, you know, right. and uh, I I love that movie. Um, and uh, going from there into um, Indiana Jones, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um was it was a major for me but like they these I don't know like otherworldly grandiose uh uh movies that are highly emotional um and all I remember was being completely captivated by uh again these worlds and uh, the 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 emotion I obviously in those that time didn't say oh I'm going to be a filmmaker but I think those things kind of get imprinted or uh, stamped into your memory, um, into your, into your soul. <laughs> yeah. And then fast forward down the road, internet age happens, you know, I'm, I'm getting obsessed with music. I'm watching music videos and it's heyday, you know, uh, that's, that's what I'm like sneaking around in class, like getting on the internet to like watch music videos and, my brother would get these DVDs for uh, these band documentaries and I started getting into the documentaries and I had actually switched over to, sorry, this is a long winded way of answering your story. No, it's all good. No, it's good. I moved, I moved high schools just to, to play baseball. Like I was a very competitive cool. athlete. Um, and that's what I wanted to do. I was also a little shit. Um, more so I've always, whether it's got, whether it's uh, ADD or, or, uh, whatever, I, uh, just had a hard time sitting still that, that culminated in me having, uh, issues with my first hour teacher. Okay. And I didn't want to be in her class anymore because I wanted to come in late. I wanted to eat food in her class. And, uh, this was high school. I, or this college. was high school. Yeah. Okay. High school. High school. Got it. High school, high school. Got it. And so I just, whatever, I had this, this, uh, negative men mentality and, uh, lucky for me, my, uh, my aunt was the, the, the counselor. And so she, nice. she could help, uh, she was responsible for, uh, schedule changes. And so she gave me an option. She's like, you can stay in there or like, you have like two other options and one of them's video production. And I can't even recall what the other one is. Cause it doesn't matter. You know what I mm. chose. Um, she, she, she put me in video production and, um, within a week, it's almost like all of those, again, the movies the the Disney movies and the, the Indiana Jones that I was infatuated with, um, 
that all just flooded to the the front of my brain. And it's the first time that I connected the dots that you could actually do this for a living. Mm-hmm. That this was actually a, 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 a something that you could pursue. Um, and it was, it was possible. Um, the arts aren't necessarily something that was pushed. And I grew up in a small town in Oklahoma. So yeah, everything, it's funny, like the arts aren't attainable, but you know, being a professional athlete is much easier. You know what I mean? It's it's like definitely attainable, but pursuing the arts, you know, that's not, that's not feasible, right? (laughs) That's not logic. That's not logical. And so like I, you know, I, I, I became the jock turn nerd. And at the time, you know, like this is where our music, uh, our, uh, uh, similarities start to, to yeah. merge. Like I, I felt different and I, you know, I started uh, getting into the scene and I was exposed to like a, a hardcore scene and punk scene. And, um, I felt the sense of community and family and that. And so I, you know, uh, got myself a mohawk and um, pierced my lip and, uh, you know what I mean? Started going all these shows <laughs> and listening to this heavy music. And one of my coaches was telling me I was listening to like the devil worship music and stuff. And it's funny because it's all like Christian, Christian bands, you know? Uh, and I got a tattoo and, you know, um, but, and that's fine. I still, I'm still an athlete. I still love sports like that, that, that love didn't change. And actually like stopping baseball was one of the hardest decisions I ever made. Yeah. Um, because I did love it. So that's for so much. And it was a large part of my life, but, but I remember the love, the, 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 the feeling I had for film was, uh, untouchable. And, um, it was, it was, uh, there's no question that that was what I was going to do. And um, I pursued that. And now a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Smokers Abbey. Don't smoke, but if you do, go to Smokers Abbey. They have a wide selection of cigars, pipe tobacco, and much more located in East Nashville and Gallatin, Tennessee. Go now. Welcome to Smokers Abbey, where you can get the best smoke, all the smoke. You said earlier that you don't have a backup plan and, no. uh, and that this has been just the thing that you're, you're doing and there's no other thing to do. When did you kind of, uh, make that decision or when did it switch? Was it around that time or was it, um, was it later on? No, s- same week. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, in high you, school, and and uh, I think I was where do you 16 think that, years old. Where do you think that comes from? Do you think it's like how you were raised? Do you think it was just like who you are? Do you think it's like, like, wh- have you thought through this? Like, where do you think, you know, this this sense of like identity in creating films or even confidence that you are going to do it? Where do you think that comes from? You know that's a great question. I on you know I'm I'm sure it's a amalgamation of many things. Um, I think part of it could be even the athlete mentality of wanting to you know be the best or to to have a singular focus. You know it's it's this is my race, um, and uh, I just believe. Referencing my father 
you know, he was very tough love. He basically instilled in me a few things and that, you know, integrity is one, do anything and everything with integrity, but two, and most importantly was you can achieve anything you want if you're willing to work for it. Hmm. You know, so, but the way I feel like it was more worded, like uh, if you don't get what you want, it's your fault. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, and uh, has that um, had any negative ramifications in your in your career? Do you uh, do you think that that's ever driven you to work too hard or burn out or anything like that? I, I mean, yeah, it's. I mean, I'm for anyone who's an artist. Uh, I feel like that's that comes with the territory because once you unlock that artist brain, um, you can't live in the flow state forever, right? Right. And uh, the more you, the more I live, I'll speak for myself, but the more I live in this industry, the, I just feel like my, the grand ideas don't go away. They only compound. And sometimes it is overwhelming, right? Um, yeah. You know, the, the amount of work, I, <laughs> I'll use the uh, analogy of, or the 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 story of Sisyphus to um, explain my story. You know, the story of Sisyphus was like a punishment of rolling the stone up the hill. Mm. Yeah, you know, and yeah. that was a, actually punishment. But um, I feel like that's what I'm doing myself. I'm pushing one idea the the hill, and I it's actually a mountain because to get anything made in this industry is like the most difficult thing. Um, but then I have like a thousand other stones of ideas over here that are just at the bottom and I'm still rolling one, you know? Um, and there's so a, sometimes of course, there's a uh, book that I read my son, uh, called, I wish you more. And there's a, there's a page in that book and I love it so much for some reason. I don't know. It just always affects me. And it's a, it's a kid rolling like a cart or something. Or, or ball, I don't know what it is, up a hill, kind of like that. And it says, I wish you yeah. more will than hill. And uh, like, I always like emphasize that page when I'm talking to my son, but like, that's what you have. Like, yeah. I think you've yeah. always had more will than there is the obstacle. Cause you're just, you are pushing that ball up the hill or that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, and uh, I mean, I like that, that you mentioned the, the obstacle. Like I, I, are you guys, have you read the book of the obstacles the way? I haven't. No, I'm familiar, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's, uh, it's about like, it's a, it's about uh, hol holiday, holiday. Yeah, Ryan like holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Being, being a stoic. Oh yes. So cool. stoic is especially during the pandemic is when I really, really started digging into the stoicism, um, uh, philosophy, but Big, big fan. Um, and uh, I mean, it is the kind of like simply stated, the obstacle is the way. And and um, I, since then, I started, you know, reading more and more. And um, uh, that has like helped to uh, compartmentalize and to um, see those obstacles as opportunities, right? And I, even uh, mm. McConaughey's book, Green Lights, was also very similar, similar, um, mm -hmm. and using obstacles as the path forward, um, as like an opportunity to grow or to get stronger, uh, get smarter. 
Um, it's in another context, someone can say everything happens for a reason, um, or it's an opportunity. Um, so how, so you met Costner, you said 12 years ago. So when you're that like kid in the trailer, like waiting for him to come back and like from that moment until where you're at now, and it doesn't have to be like Costner specific, but like you've obviously gone through like a lot of ups and downs in your career and through you you know, pitching these bigger ideas and these series and these films, you've also been like a commercial director, like how, which has its own like ups and downs as well. How have you like, how do you feel like you've balanced all of this? Obviously you're bringing up this, like this book, like, is this kind of stoic mindset, like a recent thing? Or do you feel like you've like been able to like, find balance through the ups and downs like this entire run even from from like a young age like what what is it i'm just curious like what's kept you going this entire time like having this like 12 year relationship with costner and still working on these things is is a is a it's a long time to stick with with something you know yeah, no, I, you know, the, again, let's go the, the cart up the hill, the ball up the hill. It's, yeah. it's this thing I've been, you know, mulling over and over of like, for instance, Costner's series Horizon has been like a 20 plus year work in progress. You know, like this, the first project they ever pitched to Kevin was what introduced us over 12 years ago. And that's still an ongoing thing. Yeah. Um, I went to a screening last night um, of Bradley Cooper's Maestro and uh, there was a Q&A after and he's talking about um, uh, with Guillermo del Toro and they're talking about like how long it's taken their projects to get made. And Bradley Cooper said this took, you know, like five, six years of his life to do these things. And it's just like, if these people are, at their the height of success and it's taking them this long to do these projects like reality if you like look at those things in realistic terms like okay if it takes them that long to make that like how how hard is it going to be for me to make my project how long is it going to take for me to get to that and so part of the whole stoicism thing is like Marcus Aurelius meditations it's like finding peace within yourself right and if I'm pushing this stone up a hill, does it change if I can see a finish line or not? Right? Yeah. Like if you can see the top of the hill, you can kind of will that into like, okay, I've only got a little bit further to go. But if you can't see an end, do you keep pushing the stone or you say, fuck this hmm. and let the stone fall to the bottom of the hill? And I think that's part of the 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 artist. Uh, well, uh, Herzog said, like, if I wasn't making, I can't remember. He said something like, if I wasn't making films, I'd be in an insane asylum. Yeah, yeah. Um, or something similar to that. But like, sounds accurate. Um, yeah. It's 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 funny because being the the being the artist is almost like paradoxical with being the, a stoic. Right? Stoic is all about self control and. Uh, uh, um, being an artist is about like the unbridled passion, you know, like I, I, you know, it's the, the trash bag scene from American beauty, you know, like I'm, I remember relating it with that man, like, holy shit, 
I'm this, I feel that connected to and that moved by watching this bag float around on screen and hearing this guy on the verge of breaking down and crying and saying his heart is going to explode. He can't take it because there's so much beauty in the world. Like what the fuck, you know, it's, Hmm. those are (laughs) like very much conflicting ideals, but, um, um, going back to your question, uh, which was remind me <laughs> like what, what, how have you like, how have you stayed on track for the last like 12 years? Like, at, like, yeah. do, there, do you, there's, do, there's no, are, are there days that you're like, you think that you are crazy? Like, are like what, of what, course. what, what keeps you going? <laughs> let, let, let's go there. Let's talk about that. Like when, Ke- when Kale wakes up and he's like, fuck I'm crazy like how do you yeah. counter how do you counterbalance that on a practical level I'm just very curious yeah I mean look I'm the guy who I mean truly for fun you know like a week after I wrapped Horizon 2 mm-hmm. a, a week after I wrapped Horizon 2 I'm in the middle of the Amazon jungle with one of the most remote tribes on the planet like eating bugs and like hunting monkey and catching fish and mm-hmm. eating straight out of the Amazon, like eating breakfast with a fucking caiman on my, my leg, you know? Crazy. And that's what I, that's like voluntary, like what yep. I do for fun. So there's already a sense of calm, call it crazy, call it weird, call it ambitious. It doesn't matter. You know, um, it's what I love. And at the end of the day, that's, that's my North star. I absolutely love, and I can't imagine a life without being an artist. And for me, whether you are an artist or you are a teacher or you are a, a surgeon or a garbage man, there's going to be politics at your job. Hmm. There's going to be difficult people at your job. There are going to be obstacles at your job. So like, what do you want to fight for? Mm-hmm. You know, and I would rather fight. The fight I have is to be an artist. I don't have the fight to do another job because I don't love anything that much, you know? And so like, that's the way I view it. Um, I would rather deal with the politics and the difficult people and the fucking depression or being pissed off, um, being angry at times. Um, granted, most of this is all inward. Like I'm not, I've ever, like truly ever since, you know, getting into stoicism and practicing that uh, has been truly been able to help me control a lot of these things and compartmentalize and to understand and to generally be happy. It's the happiest I've ever been. Hmm. Um, But um, this is the fight that I want to pick. And um, I think that's what it comes down to. It's like picking your fights and, and truly um, looking at that at the end of the day and understanding that in your worst moments, in my worst moments, this is what I would rather be doing than the best days if I was in an office somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Doing X, Y, and Z, not to disrespect anyone doing any other thing. It's 
speaking for me specifically, um, I choose the worst days at this job over anything else. And so like that is my North Star and that's why I wake up and continue to fight for it. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, I, I really, I resonate with that a lot because I mean, there's Andy, you know, I mean, this is freaking hard what we do It's when you make creativity or your art, your living, the thing that people, you know, the, the thing that allows you to survive in this world, <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's insane. It's so up and down. There's huge wins and then there's huge yeah. losses yeah. and, uh, and it can just get, you know, grinding just every, every oh, yeah. day, a new struggle, every day, a new frustration or, um, or even like a new win, you know? And, uh, the truth is exactly. I love that. This is the fight that I want to, this is, this is the fight that I want to pick. And, yeah. and that's true. It's like, I love music so much that I'm going to like put my whole life into it. I, I made that choice just like you when I was a kid, like yeah. I, I put all my eggs in that basket and now there's no going back. I mean, Andy, yeah. we were talking about this through text the other day is like, when you make that choice so young, you don't have a fallback and you like, yeah. it's not like you can go like if I, if I were to take another job or something, I'd have to start at the, at the bottom and work my way mm-hmm. up. And so I, of course I take a pay cut and, uh, all that stuff. It's just, it's not a viable option anymore, which I love. Yeah. It's like, now this is the direction that I'm going and, uh, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm happy for it, but yeah, that's, that's cool. no, I love that. I actually have a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've never had an alternative, uh, as I mentioned, but during the, the pandemic, the early stage of the pandemic, when the world shut down, it was the first time I played that game with myself, not hey, I have an alternative, but like, what if the film industry doesn't come back? Uh You know what I mean? Like everything was to a halt and like literally no one had any idea what was going on, right? So the the rug was pulled from all of us. Did you ever question yourself or ask like, okay, now what? If the world forces us to shift, we're not allowed to, I'm not allowed to pursue commercials. I can't pay my bills. I can't pursue these other Mm. projects. I can't pay my bills. Like, do I actually have to consider something else for the sake of not being homeless in a few months? (laughs) Like, uh, like, did you, did you ask yourself those things or did you consider other options? I mean, uh, I can answer for myself during the pandemic. I, I was super lucky. I had a, a steady paying job at Soundstripe where I was, uh, writing music for their catalog. Uh, however, when that ended, uh, my, my, oh crap moment happened over the last two years. I mean, truthfully, mm. like, yeah. uh, you know, with, with Soundstripe, we, you know, I was getting paid a lot more. So we, we ended up, uh, moving into a bigger house with bigger bills and all of that stuff. And the stakes got a lot higher. And then, so switching back to, freelance has been, it was, I mean, it was hard it, and it, and mm. it still can be really hard at times. And, yeah. um, and I have to say that I'm probably in that zone right now where I'm like, what if I can't find enough jobs to pay me mm. to, uh, sustain this life, you know, like, yeah. 
what do I do? And, um, and I would say, you know, in all honesty, I'm, I'm kind of in that place now. However, it hasn't gotten necessarily to the point where like, I haven't given up, you know, it's, I'm not going to let the ball roll down the hill. Like I'm, I'm still going and, and it's like, there's always just enough to keep me in just enough to keep me in and just enough to like, to where my world doesn't collapse. And, uh, and I've got high hopes that that's going to, you know, go back up, but it was just like a big, there's a big dip, you know, you, you get so used to a steady income and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh crap. Wow. I'm responsible for everything now. And yeah. What about you, Andy? Yeah. I mean, during the pandemic specifically, I was going through a lot of personal stuff in my own life that I think didn't allow me to fully go there. Um, I was more or less in survival mode during a lot of that year. I think, you know, looking at production as a whole post pandemic, I know for me and for a lot of other people, especially the last like year and a half has been a bit of a struggle and slower. Um, but similar to what Keish is saying, you know, I'm still in it, <laughs> you know, um, as, as, as scary as that can seem sometimes and as like vulnerable as that feels, you know, um, you just kind of keep going, you know? Um, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Just to yeah, like yeah, yeah. F- feel less alone, you know, as like corny as that sounds like, I think all of us as creatives, especially freelancers, deal with the same thing. I think there's oftentimes this like disguise of always being busy or trying to look busy or, oh yeah, you know, uh, whatever that looks like. And um, I think the reality is even if we're on different levels of success, we all deal with the same things, you know? So I don't think like, I don't think, you know, your film's going to get picked up tomorrow and everything's going to be solved for you. You know, I think right. that's like, oh, no. yeah. you know, and I think the- There sto- is no golden ticket. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I think that's great. And I think the stoicism is a big part of that, you know, um, that's maybe helped you accept that, you know, um, it sounds that way at least. Um, what, when you're in your like darkest moments, like, Kale, I'm just curious, like, what does that look like for you? And what have you consistently done over the years to kind of get yourself out of that and just keep moving forward, you know? Because one thing I really respect about you is you're also a great commercial director. And like I said earlier, that in itself is an emotional roller coaster. So I am mm-hmm. curious, like, how, what that looks like for you to balance the, you know, the development stuff that you work on and the commercial stuff that you work on. Um, and how do you balance the ups and downs with both? There is nothing either good or bad, but our minds make it so. Okay. Mm. Good. Let's go into that a little bit more. Um, <laughs> Shakespeare. Um, I have learned again, to control and, you know, decipher everything coming in because if as an artist, that's the hardest thing is like feeling 100% of everything all the time is overwhelming. 
you know, and it's not to say that I suppress these feelings. I feel it all, the highs and the lows, but I've, I've learned to, as I've said multiple times before, compartmentalize into uh, uh, control. I think that is one of the most important things that has, has happened so I can like actually channel that. Um, and it's not to say, Jesus, I've not figured this shit out. Um, I'm, a, I'm a long way from it. There's no, I'm not saying, oh, you can be enlightened and once you're enlightened, you're good to go. Like anything yeah. in this life takes work, right? But also don't but, discount uh, 15 years of doing this either. And that's, I'd correct, like to hear it because I'm sure there's lots of people that love, that aren't 15 years into this that would love to kind to hear this, you know? Um. Yeah, no. Um, as I said, like, the, it's not... Uh, look, uh, the biggest... One of the biggest things for me that happened over the pandemic, um, specifically, because like everyone, we had a lot of time with our with our uh, inner voice. That was great for some, terrible for others. Um, and I've always been an introspective kid. Ever, again, ever since I was a little kid, uh, dating back to the Disney days. Uh, I knew I wanted to travel and see the world and live with tribes from a very young age. I wanted to be a filmmaker from a young age. I, I was tapped into my inner voice and I, I kind of a, a understood that and, and followed that. Um, but when it came to the pandemic, I, 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 I shifted going back to our conversation um, about the destination, seeing the destination. I stopped looking at the destination and and like truly like focusing on the journey. Um, and because for, for, for multiple reasons, um, one, no one can see the, like fully see the destination. As I said, like for some artists, it takes 20 years to get a film made. Some took six years. I'm working on multiple projects for 10 plus years and, and who knows if they'll ever get made in, in general. Um, in the meantime, of course, like uh, we live in a world now where you said like people pretend like they're busy or uh, we need to constantly be posting stuff, putting stuff out on social media. This have this illusion of look at look, you know, look at this work I'm putting out. Look how busy I am. Um, I look, you know, I used to get caught up in that 100 percent. I obviously I never faked being busy. Um, but I did a lot of like uh, non-illustrious jobs, um, stuff that I wasn't proud of. Of course, I'm happy to be working and I'm going to, you know, with integrity, go at it hard like anything else. But, you know, a lot of, a lot of the work I wasn't releasing and it wasn't fancy and it wasn't shiny and um, it wasn't it wasn't me. Um, and so I, you know, don't put the stuff out um, and uh um, that used to have a, a lar like a bigger effect on me. Um, and then I would go, of course, like, you know, many people, the waves of, I'd have like a really big commercial job come in and think like, oh, hell yeah. Like this is definitely going to create some momentum. Mm -hmm. And then nothing, absolutely nothing. No emails even, like I'm not pitching, you know? And so because I have all these other ambitions, um, you know, I could, you know, use that as time to develop these other projects or to work on other projects or to even daydream, you know, was life giving at times. Um, but, uh, during the pandemic, when all of that was stripped, that's when I, you know, like I said, I started, you know, focusing if like none of this comes back, if the films don't come back or even the fucking commercials come back, you know, like, uh, 
I need to like start looking at how I even got here uh, because that started with basically, did I make wrong decisions? You know, like, could I have taken a a, a smarter path to uh, get to where I wanted to go or get to the destination or the checkpoint? Um, and, uh, that's folly, right? Like that is folly, yeah. you know, like maybe it, it makes sense, uh, as a, as a way to reflect and to, to get smarter, but you can't beat yourself up over, uh, or, uh, you can't dwell in the doldrums, you know, you can't be in this like dark place and like, uh, beat yourself up over things that you can't control anymore. Um, so for me, you know, movement as life, right? So I have to be working on something. I have to be doing something. I started painting during the pandemic. You guys started a podcast. I started painting, 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 painting. painting. And I, pff, I don't think I've posted any. I think I maybe posted yeah, I wanna, likes. Uh, I want to see had, these. I didn't even know at all that you were doing that. That's awesome. I want to see these paintings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, even the, you know, um, what is it? Solomon mentioned, uh, he working in the shadows or shadow work. I call it painting in the dark, you know? And, Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, between the paintings, uh, over the last two years, I was looking back at my work, uh, uh, only inspired by this podcast and, um, being like, holy shit, I think I've only released like one project in two years. Yeah. It was like a, like Mazda work and uh, all the the projects that I'm working on have been completely secret. Um, and I haven't even really thought about it. Yeah. And I'm just like, holy shit, like, whoa. Like, th- it made me feel good that I wasn't in the daily chase of like hmm. looking yeah. in the, the, the cancer of comparison hmm. and, and, uh, of seeing who's doing what with what client and who's traveling to where and, and, and what I'm doing wrong. And, and part of that is of course, like I've been busy with my own painting, you know, I've been working on the Costner stuff, um, and other passion projects. I mean, hell the last two trips to the jungle, I haven't, I've released only a couple things from there, but by and large, the majority of all that work is secret. It's sitting on my hard drives. Um, and so I've been doing all this work, some of the best work of my life um, that I'm most proud of. No one's seen it. No one like, uh, you know, no one's no one's touched that stuff. And I'm fine if it comes out uh, mm-hmm. great. At some point it will, I'm sure. If it doesn't, okay. Um, I have that experience. That's part of my journey. And, it, you know, I... I'm in the moment when I experience those things. So that's something that no one will ever take away from me. Of course, it'd be heartbreaking if, you know, the Costner stuff didn't see the light of day or this, you know, decade long project that I've been doing and in, in, with tribes, you know, didn't, didn't see the light of day. Um, but I'm still proud of the work and I'll still have that with me forever as part of my journey. So like when I, when I started to learn to accept the journey and to like to appreciate that and see how f- just how far I've come and how it shaped me and developed me, um, I'll take that any day as a re- like you know having an you know that temporary bliss from 
the, 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 the commercial release, you know what I mean? Like people seeing mm-hmm. your work and, um, all that comes with that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the journey is much more interesting. I want to know how Keech got to where Keech is and how real got to where real is, um, you know, more than anything. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you've already answered this, but I'm curious, like, to hear from you a little bit more, like, what's it look like for you if it never gets made? Hmm. If these projects um, you've been working on for 12 years, for example, like what if, what if it never gets made? What, what does that look like for you? Or is that not an option just, for you? Just a crazy old man with cool stories, you know, hmm. um, you hmm. know, uh, that someone that I'll probably be, someone probably thinks I'm just like the crazy guy full of shit, you know, <laughs> talking about all my, my, my escapades around the world. Um, well, I was in the and, Amazon. Uh, yeah, when I was in the Amazon getting whipped by a tribe uh, <laughs> after. Wait, hold on. Did this actually bath- happen? After, after yeah. bathing with. Pro- yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, multiple times, actually. Um, but. Uh, oh, man. I remember of all this, course man. It would, of course, it'd be heartbreaking. No, without a doubt. Like, of course, like this is what I want to do. And the reason I've worked on it for so long is because I believe in it. But the the one of the one of the ways i i kind of cipher how decipher how i want to um pursue a project is how i feel about it and if i lose interest in a project after like a couple months or a year then i'm like oh probably wasn't that something i was that connected to Hmm. you know because our opinions change we grow as people you should be but the projects that grip your soul and your heart for years on end that you dream about and think about and you keep coming back to, like that is your instinct. And that is like, call it that inner voice that the, that those are the projects that you need to make. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, that's what matters uh, because I, f- I truly feel like those projects are who you are. Um, the projects that I find that go away are, are the projects that maybe I try to pursue a more commercially viable project or something. And so it loses like those projects are kind of lost on me after time because they're temporary. But it's just like your first love or a relationship that you have with something that you care so deeply about or is so important to your life, a specific concept. And this is me as an artist, like most of my projects, again, like I'm very connected to, they, not everyone has to have that, of course, but I find myself, the projects that mean the most to me are are a, a part of me. And so that is why I keep coming back to those and why I care so much. And that's why I work on them for so long yeah. um, and, and, and believe in, in making those happen. Those are the ones that speak most to me, like all my passion projects that I've released. Those are the ones that spoke to me that like, I have to make this like mm-hmm. I ha- come hell or high water. You're making this project. So I have that attitude with, with certain projects that I'm pursuing. So of course it'd be like, Anything you spend that much time, thought, energy, you give yourself to, um, that doesn't happen, of course, is going to be heartbreak. And that's something I'll have to 
uh, uh, manage if that is the case, but, um, that's not how I, how I step forward. I, I step forward knowing that they will happen. Hmm. And that's, that's like the, the not having any, any other option of, of hmm. the craft. It's like, these films are going to happen. The show is going to happen. Um, and what capacity or at what point in my career they happen, I don't know, but they're going to happen, yeah. you know? Um, and I'll wait for the world to tell me otherwise. Hmm. Wow. I think it's beautiful, man. And I feel like it's so counterintuitive to, and this is not a dig on the newer generation, but it's so counterintuitive to kind of this social content first mindset of, of a lot of, not every, but a lot of younger filmmakers now, or it's, it's more about the immediate, which I think great things can be made in the immediate. Actually, I think there's really cool things made there. Oh, but all, so especially all, in the comedic space. Absolutely. But I think like this mindset of like, this thing stuck with me for two years. Mm -hmm. So there's something actually tangible there is beautiful and something I really relate to as well as a creative. Um, another thing, Kale, that I want to talk about briefly is maybe not briefly. I know we've going for a minute. Like you've also been successful about doing your own passion projects over the years, like over and over again, not just one, but like multiple, like where you really kind of went all in, right? Uh, whether that's through financial or time or whippings in the rainforest, whatever that looks like for you. Is there any particular project out of all the passion projects that you've done that you really felt like you took like a life-changing takeaway from that you really learned from? Or does each project kind of hold its own like lesson, if you will? Yeah, I mean, each one... Each one holds its own lesson, absolutely. And of course, you know, I'm a, I always want to be in a uh, learning state as well. Like I'm, I'm an open book. I'm, I'm, a, I'm specific, but also ex extremely collaborative um, because I want to work with other artists who are uh, incredible in their own right, in their own craft. Um, and so anytime I'm around another specialist, it's, my duty, I feel personally to, to see their perspective and understand their perspective and maybe absorb, uh, um, uh, part of their, their ability. Um, but I would just go back to the Genesis story, you know, like the first tribe I lived with when it was, uh, you know, in the, in the Mentawai in Indonesia, I went with a, a friend, um, photographer, incredible photographer, Joey Lawrence, and uh, eh, that, of course, was the culmination of years of dreams. And ever since I was a little kid, um, being obsessed in Na National Geographic magazine and wanting to go live with tribes one day, wanting to be the Indiana Jones as an mm -hmm. adult. Um, and <clears throat> I went there with Ryan or sorry, with, uh, Joey and, uh, his friend, uh, who became a friend, Will, who, who's his assistant. And <clears throat> that just, it kind of just, it shattered all, all doubt I had that this was possible. Hmm. And you were like pretty um, young. You know, but you're like young. All you guys were young when you yeah, did that, right? I think it was like 20, 20, I think it was like 21. Or I remember you. 
I remember you coming back from that trip and like losing a bunch of weight. I believe like this was oh, like yeah, so bro. I could, I mean that I could write a book on what I did wrong on that trip. Like didn't, how naive I was. I mean, I was, I was a kid, man. I was a kid. Kill. I thought I knew Kill. what I could. I grew up in Oklahoma woods. So I can go to the fucking rainforest and survive. <laughs> Kale, I, I wanted to bring this up. Like I have such like memories. Cause I was like last night, I was like really kind of going, like I said, going back through some memories and like we initially met on set, uh, which Kale still has photos and likes to make, fun of me about um i don't know i think we're in tennessee. Was that the photo that was shared i think we're in tennessee actually man um oh, but yeah, yeah. W- but i remember my my earliest memory of you is always talking on aim right i remember even as you're telling this oh rainforest wow. I, 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 rem- I remember you coming back from the rainforest telling me all this on it because this was like pre-iphone right so like or maybe iphone year one oh, right yeah. so and yeah. we were yeah. we no this was definitely pre-iphone but what remind me? Do you what was your screen name back then, man? I was trying to remember. Oh God, I know exactly what it was. What <laughs> is it? How man? can you forget your screen? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I dream, I desire. That's right, yeah. man. I totally forgot that. Mine was keeps it real with an e. Mine, um, yeah. mine was uh, that's, even that's lamer dumb. than both of those. <laughs> what was yours? From the storybook. <laughs> love it, dude. Nice. That was, that was real email. I love that. Uh, Keeps it real, dude. That's the, that's that's good. Yeah. But yeah, but I dreamed. I, 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 dreamed, I was, again, I was just like, man, I was, and I still am, like a dreamer, dude. Uh, yeah. yeah. I have a tattoo. I One of the first tattoos I ever got was I dream, you know, and I my head's been in the clouds. But the, 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 Going back to my father, he's just like you can, like you can, and it is, it is tangible. It is possible, you know. Like I, my my story is to look back on it for myself is, on one hand, it's insane because it's 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 a dream is a dream, right? You think it's f- fiction, um, and so when that dream happens, you're like, holy shit, wow. But like the dreams are just things we want to do that exist in the real world that are real. They're not fiction. So why do why do we feel like there's this barrier just because it's hard? Well, anything good is hard uh, mm. for the most yeah. part, I believe, except the mother's love. Um, but <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's easy. Uh, yeah. But um, I, you know. Maybe it's being a kid and having being a little bit naive. Everything's everything feels like a maybe a little bit. You, you don't. You're, you're a kid. You don't grasp the reality of uh, the the challenge. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. Because anything, yeah. anything's. You know what I mean? Anything's yeah. possible when you're a kid. You don't really think about those things. Um, but then as you get an, an adult and you start getting more, you start dealing with reason and logic and fucking taxes, you know, like the yeah. world starts shattering, you know, the, the reality of the challenge and the competition. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um, you just you just start getting a grasp on things. And sometimes as like obviously as you age, like you start becoming cynical and like losing the, the, the creative touch and all this stuff. But. Um, there, there was rarely a time in my life where I thought, you know, like this isn't doable. It's just going to be an insane amount of work like that. Mm -hmm. That bit was never lost on me. I didn't know how much work I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to take a lot of work, but I didn't just quite know how hard it would be. And so I think especially 
you know, early in my career in my 20s when I wasn't making the progress that I thought I'd be further along by now. Oh my God, why, why can't I get an agent? Why blah, 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 blah. Like, why didn't this job, I treated things like they were a golden ticket or like, oh, it's going to yep. be smooth sailing from here. Bullshit. Right. There's nothing smooth sailing in this, this industry. Mm. Um, again, usually citing the examples I used earlier, like even Costner, Bradley Cooper, again, just because those are relevant um, and recent, those guys at their prime are like doing some of the biggest projects in the world. And they had, they had, they struggle to find funding to get their projects made, you know? Mm. Um, and, and that, that like people need to look at that and understand that, you know what I mean? And mm -hmm. so yeah. you can't crumble when Kale Glendinning can't get a million dollars for his indie feature. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's, it's just reality. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to work every day to find answers for those things and to, to, to um, get closer to making those reality. And as I said earlier, I believe I will make them a reality, but I had to give up the notion of they're going to happen tomorrow. You know yep. what I mean? I can't yep. see the end of the race. Right. I, you know, and for that matter, there's never an end because once I do one project, I'm going to want to do the bigger one the next time. And so yeah. the race gets longer and longer. So again, just to beat you over the head with this, like learning to accept the journey and to like, like enjoy the suffering, mm -hmm. enjoy pushing that stone up the hill. That was a game changer for me. Yeah. And it's the happiest I've ever been. And, and uh, again, that doesn't uh, mean I don't have extremely difficult days and a bad season where I just want to spend time in bed. But it's not a lot of lost on me what's, what's happening. And I know I will overcome it. And I just need to allow myself to be human mm -hmm. and suffer and accept it and then move on. Yeah. Yeah. And Life is suffering. On. Life is suffering, man. Yeah, it you is. Even look at, but that's uh, all the, the greatest works in the world uh, are not fast, man. I feel like they're right. not. It's just like, uh, yeah. it takes time, you know, um, uh, whether that's a couple years or a decade or 20 years or uh, uh, whatever. It's just like uh, you have to get right with yourself and, and, mm -hmm. and, um, understand um, there are infinite variables that are outside of your, your hands. The best thing you can do is just keep your head up and keep putting in the work. For Man, sure. That's really inspiring. Looking back at that 19, 20 year old kid in the rainforest, like what would be your biggest takeaway from that shoot, man, that you still apply to your career today? Like what's, what is something you learned from, from that a, shoot? Like from a, from a filmmaking standpoint, Filmmaking and or personality, like Oof, career okay. mindset standpoint. Let's not well, go technical. A, Let's not go technical. Let's go yeah, like mindset. Yeah, I mean, just from a personal yeah. standpoint, again, it, like a really, it really showed me that things are tangible, right? And so like that was my first major dream realized. Okay. I accomplished yes. a, one of the biggest goals and dreams I ever had in my life, yep. at, you know, at that age. And so it made, I'm like, if I can come do this. And the, the, the experience and the joy of like accomplishing that, like I can do anything, right? Yeah. So that it was so important to, to reach a, a, a big goal of mine. 
Um, and then, you know, there are a million lessons I learned. And one of the biggest being like, there, there are way more that unites us than divides us. And that sounds hmm. simple and silly, but mm. I just imagined uh, there would be just incalculable differences between me and the people of this tribe who lived obviously the most, um, um, opposite lives you can imagine, but the amount of things that we had in common were, were just absolutely profound to me as a human being. And it's changed how I've interacted with people ever since. Um, yeah. And my openness to people yeah. and to wanting to learn about people. Um, but but from, a, from a filmmaking standpoint, it was one of those things where, you know, sim- simply put, you don't make excuses for the tools you have. Right. Yep. The first the first day I was in the or in on the island, which is the rainforest, my I had an HVX 200 with mm-hmm. the grand old. What was it? Lettuce 35. Lettuce. Yeah. How do you pronounce yeah. it? Lettuce 35. Doesn't matter. That Piece of son shit. of a bitch. <laughs> like the the humidity and heat were so bad. It got trapped in, the in between. It got trapped in between. Didn't get trapped in between, but oh, okay. the I had to take it apart. I tried to perform okay. sur- surgery on it there, but there are like these three, there's three prongs of the that co- that are actually connected to the ground glass that shake the ground glass when it's turned yeah. on. It like vibrates it, shakes it. Yeah. Yep. Well, the, they are rubber, and the rubber melted off. Damn. Whoa. Okay. So it, the rubber, like whether it was the glue or whatever, but it completely melted and separated so that, so it wasn't connected to the ground glass. So the ground glass couldn't shake. It just sat there still, even though it sounded like it was vibrating. Yeah. Um, and so I pulled it apart and realized it was, uh, it was uh, melted. And so I had no depth of field at that point. I had yep. just my HVX 200, which is pretty much like, uh, you know, <laughs> F22 all the time. Yep. Um, yep. And so I was so pissed and upset, but then I was just like, I'm here. What the fuck are you going to do? Just yep. accept it and, and make the best for it. What do you have? Um, mm-hmm. And ever since then, I'm like, I can't tell you how many times I want to, or I'm sure most other filmmakers, they finish a project and they want to like put an asterisk next to their film saying, but blah, 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 blah. Or we only had this time. Or, but we only had this equipment. Or we didn't have a fucking technocrane. You know what I mean? And the audience doesn't give a shit. They don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like no one cares, right? They, you have them for a short amount of time, whatever your length of the project is, and they're going to make their decision Based on the result, they're yeah. not going to read a paragraph after they watch it and be like, oh, well, they didn't have this. So I'll give them, you know, no. So it's like I either pack my camera away or say, fuck it. I know this camera. I know its strengths. I know its weaknesses. Um, so I'm going to make something great with this, what I have now. And that is kind of like the the mindset I've taken forward. So for instance, when I went to Mongolia and shot that film, I shot it by myself with just literally a red Epic and three lenses. I had no support. I had no tripod. 
no steady cam, no drone, like nothing, like nothing at all. Just me handheld in a camera, no easy rig. And I knew that going in there. I'm just going mm-hmm. in with a camera, but I'm going to create something that no one even questions it, nor do they care. Yep. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Of course, I would love to have X, Y, and Z. Every filmmaker, you're never going to be able to get all the tools you want, you know? Yeah. And so um, don't let that be a hindrance, you know what I mean? Just use yep. it to your advantage. Yeah. <laughs> you can. I, I feel like that's the trap for, <clears throat> for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, any creative, I, I will, uh, be able to do good work once X, Y, and Z happens, or once I get this next thing, once I, uh, you know, I'll be able to make a great record once I get into a professional studio or whatever it is, you know? And, and that's just not the case. Like make the best art with what you have right in front of you. And, and, you know, anything can be, can be great. Like, I mean, I think about that Bon Iver record that was, you know, done with like a cheap Pro Tools rig and cheap Mm. guitars in a cabin with a SM57. And it's, you know, it's still one of the greatest albums. And uh, yeah, I think that's just true across any board. Just like make great art with what you have. Right, right. And, And that, I mean, that's such a great example. And like, you know, f- uh, just to bring that full circle. Yeah. So that was the first first passion project in the jungle, shooting just a camera. Well, I did that multi. Again, I used that as learning uh, what I could do on my own with no support. So then I get to 2022, and I get the biggest project of my career. Yeah, and I'm told. You're to return to your roots, mm. which means you're to do all of this by yourself with no support. Mm. And so now I'm, I've been working on one of the biggest projects of my career, probably the biggest project of my career. And it's me and a camera. I have a tripod and an easy rig, but that's it. And, and you a wagon. I mean? so I, you have a wagon. And a wagon. I have a wagon. You made um, it. So you I got that grad- wagon. Yeah, <laughs> I got that wagon. Um, but it's like, you know, it's even now, I, I could go down a list of things that I had want and I did, <laughs> but I didn't get. But I can sit there and, and, and you know, rant and rave about <clears throat> not having these tools to shoot such important content. I say the word content, whatever. Some people think it's a taboo word, but shooting a film, a project, I don't have all these these tools. I have the most basic of necessities. But when you watch it, you're not going to think about it. You're not going to care. True. True. I'm going to use these to the best of my ability and and be as creative as I can at times, and I'm not going to make excuses for it, whether I'm 22 years old in the jungle or I'm 37 years old on a Kevin Costner Western. Beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's great. Um, I think some of your best work too, man, just as a, a fan of your work has just been you and the camera work that you've done. That's some of my favorite stuff you've done. I, I think there's like, there's a, when, when you have less tools to work with, that obviously forces you to, I think, 
all of us to work in a certain way. And I, I'm convinced some of the best work is, is made with less. Um, yeah. As we wrap this up, Kale, uh, well, let's, so we asked Kale to do this like a year ago and he denied us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's Join the club. what? Ch- what changed the year later, man? Like what I'm just curious. We, we might not put this in, but what made you want to be our first guest back in 2024? What made you want to do it this time? Whew. Well, you guys know me and you know, it's not personal. Yeah. Yeah. For I, sure, uh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's an awkward ask. That, but yeah. 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 Come be on beautiful failures. I mean, it's, 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 it's a podcast uh, about failures. I, I, it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not a singular reason, but a lot of it was like becoming, um, okay. As I said, over the pandemic learning, learning to appreciate the journey versus the de- just like focusing on the destination. Mm. And at that point when asked, I felt like, look, and it's easy, it's easy to beat myself up. We do this as artists, but like last night, literally last night, I'm at a screening of Maestro with, um, you know, Guillermo del Toro and Bradley Cooper who've done this massive film produced by Spielberg and McCosco um, Scorsese and I'm like, I haven't even shot a feature film, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, you know, I go through these, these, these worlds where like your voice doesn't matter per se, or like, why would someone listening to this podcast give a shit what I had to say? Like, I haven't had that yeah. success story, so to speak, you know, yeah. I'm not at that level to where I had that level of success or prestige or what other fancy word that commands the respect of listening and taking what I have to say seriously. Um, and then over the pandemic, I, again, I, I question all the things of ego and pride and, and self-esteem and, um, uh, because again, uh, everything that I was dreaming was put on hold and no one knew when they'd come back. Like no one yeah. knew when we were going to come back um, or if, <laughs> right. but that shift to focusing on again, the journey and then looking back like truly and like l- looking back and I'm not going to, but just um, the things that I've done to get to where I'm at, at, at in this at this point in time, I was so happy and so proud. Um, and I, and I gave myself, um, I gave myself credit for the first time. Mm. You know what wow. I mean? Mm. Instead of, instead of weighing my worth on the destination and how close I was to the destination or the checkpoints that I've, you know, I look past at the check. Yeah. The checkpoints that I've, uh, passed and been like, those were some major milestones and those were unique for me and I accomplished. And at this point, up to this point, I've been making a living as a director, which was my dream since I was a kid. And I never put those things into perspective before. Hmm. Um, So this point in my life, I feel is extremely important. And where I spent years and years in the seemingly uh, revolving door 
of those that self-doubt, the high, the low, the high, the low, thinking I'd get momentum, silence, and asking myself, like, what can I do different? How is, you know, is this ever going to change? What's the, you know, what's the pass, the quick pass forward? Um, And uh, like I said, circling back to the journey was everything. The journey is everything and how you manage that and how you move forward um, despite the obstacles in your path. Yeah. And it's a big reason you're still here. I mean, talking to us and still a working director. I mean, I think that perspective, that, that long-term perspective is um, oftentimes longevity as far as make or break in a career long-term. So props to that, man. Seriously. Yeah. And thank you. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Um, Hopefully this wasn't too painful. <laughs> Dude, no, not is... at all. Like I, it's just, it's like I said, it's like it's just such an important time. Something I just, I really, I write a lot, you know, journal and stuff like that. But you know, um, listening to your podcast and how personal these these have been really was a, you know, uh, uh, it really was important to me, and it made me understand and made me look at things, um, you know. Um, from a different lens. Right. Hmm. And it's just something that I wanted to remember because I feel hmm. like it is at this, in this transformational, uh, period and something that I would, you know, want to look back on, um, hmm. and remember this part of my journey and more so than in a journal, but to be something that's spoken. And, and yeah. I don't think I would, no, it's not that I don't think it's like, I wouldn't do this unless it was like two people I respect and like <laughs> am friends yeah. with, you know what I mean? Thank you, man. Thank you. And Thank you. I'm grateful to be on this journey, even if it's a small way with you, Kale, for the last like 15 plus years, man, it's been great to know yeah. you and, and continue to see you grow and, and continue to like fight the good fight and um, yeah. make great work. So props to that, man. Yeah. yeah and, same dude. Cause you know, like your, your journey has, inspired me over the years like just your mm. uh what's the word i'm looking for like uh is veracity a word what is that yeah yeah, yeah, it, yeah, just, yeah. it doesn't so give like up yeah yeah you just don't yeah. give up man and it's like the and how you attack personal projects i mean why we didn't even talk about why you don't send nudes but like that oh. <laughs> i mean just that film and just like what you poured into that film and uh, and the outcome of it. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's always inspired me what you do and, and how you do things and how much of an artist you are and how, how you protect your art in a really, uh, in a really good way while also being productive, even in the shadows, like Mm -hmm. you're always Mm -hmm. like, you're, you're productive. You're a very productive filmmaker. And I, and it's even that much cooler that you don't share everything or you don't share things too early or, um, and yeah, it's just inspiring and, and cool. And I'm glad to know you. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, real quick, Andy, I, you know, two things, but the first one is on that music video that was like a support, like didn't know that was going to happen. So that was like a spur of the moment thing that the band I was with, like we're, we're friends and showed up to this church or this music video. And that's, again, that's so yeah. really like I just fresh out of LA, like I'd been yep. at an internship out there and this was, you know, I'm, I mean, so early in my, my filmmaking career. And then I'm in there Same. and I'm watching you, Same. you do 
pretty much exactly what I was explaining earlier. It's just like you by yourself <laughs> yeah. shooting this music video, you know what I mean? And you yeah. had like a jib with a DVX a and I was just yep. like taking pictures of you and shit like that. Yeah. And it's like funny, yeah. like at the time, you know, even I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm so excited, you know, like a yeah. couple months prior, I got, I was on like a major Hollywood set, you yeah. know, as a You're PA. On big sets. I remember you telling and, me And that, then man. like, you know, a couple months later, then I'm, you know, I'm watching you do this music video and meeting you for the first time. And I feel like yeah. I'm still like a kid in a candy store, like watching yeah. you work because I'm like, I still yeah. have this, this respect and this ad- admiration for like a director. So this yeah. whole time I'm there and, you know, we're probably only a few years apart from each other. And I'm just like sitting there like for sure. fanboying, like, holy shit, like, dude, this director, like I'm going to be a director one day. Like, yeah. that's how I was. I'm like, this is what yeah. I want to do. Like he's doing exactly yeah. what I want to do, you know? And um, yeah. I thought that was, um, you know, that was a pretty yeah. special moment for me. And I'm like, again, I'm glad I was the kid that always had a camera with me everywhere taking pictures yeah. so we can relive these embarrassing and fun uh, photos all these years later. It's That's definitely, awesome. it's part of the journey, man. Like you said, I, was that in Chattanooga or Knoxville? I don't remember, man. I think I, it, it was like I, so long ago. It makes ago. sense if it's Chattanooga. That band was from okay. Chattanooga. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was, um, man, I, I feel like those days were so beautiful because I was so bad at what I did, <laughs> but also <laughs> yeah. so like naive. And that's like, the best way to learn is just like go do it you know and um dude it's wild it's wild to think that we're even talking 15 plus years later man yeah yeah get a little bit emotional it's wild life is wild no for sure no that's the whole journey thing dude it's the journey man i'm telling you like look back at it i'm a sentimental motherfucker dude like i'm i could just (laughs) sit and look at photos back in the day and i have like this this uh emotion I can tap into like it's so weird to have such a phenomenal memory about certain things and a terrible memory about others you know Same. Um, yeah. and yeah. I can quote half the office but then I can't remember like basic shit yeah um, <laughs> but then I can look at a photo from 15 years ago and remember how I felt and what it was like there and um, you know so crazy, uh, it just it makes me happy man it really does yeah. um, some of the relationships yeah. like ours that have that have stood the test of time and yeah. you know Keech one of the things I wanted to talk about I know this is going long but maybe we can cut no, out something this else earlier to fit this in yeah. but no I just you know one of the things that I wanted to say and maybe it's relevant or important but just like our work on uh, beyond yeah um, I you know when was that honestly was that 2000 and what 2011 I think right okay so I just you know um, talk about a project that stood the test of time and probably because it has some like religion, you know, intertwined in it. Um, and uh, I was tagged in a post where someone took a piece of the film from one of the, the Mahesh, one of the sadhus who is regularly um, uh, posted and shared from the film, but um, it got shared and it's got like, tens of thousands of hits and now I'm getting added by all kinds of people and I'm getting people messaging me and people are asking for the music again. <laughs> That's and I'm telling you, man, like people ask me like that project comes up more than any other project I've ever done. Mm. 
um, still to this day is, beyond. And that was our first project talk we about, collaborated. And I, yeah, you were the first director to, uh, to trust me with their film. And like, Oh, I didn't even, I had never done anything like that before. That was your remember, first time scoring. Yeah. yeah and Crazy and I remember we connected, um, <laughs> at hoops house, uh, where I was living and, uh, we were just chatting about the fountain, like, and that Clint Mansell yeah. score yeah, and like dude. how awesome it yeah. is. And, uh, and I had like a little tiny studio space and, I remember, uh, yeah. and you were like, Hey, do you want to take a crack at the music? And you sent me like a scene or something. And I didn't even have the video loaded into pro tools. I think it was like, I was pressing play in quick time and, <laughs> and then going over to pro tools and, and playing music over it. And then I'd, I'd send you like a, a big, long piece of music and, and yeah, yeah. sync it up. Yeah. And, uh, and the train just, song, uh, man. I mean, it's just uh, that. Yeah, that, the train song. I forgot song. about that one. <laughs> I live inside a bubble. It's so good, dude. But yeah, I like, people like ask for that. People ask for that score all the time. You know, I just say, like, you know, send them to, uh, you know, send them to the, uh, the, the documentary. But it's just maybe wild. It's, that maybe it's time I finally the, release it. Yeah. Yeah. Get it up on Spotify. I, I just, I, I love, I just love that that project just continues to come to come up, and it just reminds every time it comes up, it reminds me of you. And like, again, I mean, how, it was such uh, a special project. It was like it's so, uh, I don't know. Every time I watch it, I'm like reminded of how exciting it is. Like, hmm. I mean, it just yeah. like kind of documents you know, you guys going and jumping into this crazy adventure and, and that train scene is like one of my favorites because, uh, it really is like, you know, your travel, uh, experience and walking through this, like very different looking train and seeing like, Oh yeah, you're in a foreign country. Now you are now fully into your adventure. And, uh, it was just, it was just a cool film. Yeah. Yeah. I need to rewatch it. I, I haven't that. watched it for years, man. I need to go go rewatch. Oh it. man! Yeah. Again, another yeah. one of those things. Don't make excuses for your tools, but everyone looks at things they made years ago and gags, and that's uh, one of them. While I, I I can understand and appreciate what uh, we made at the time, it's just like, oh boy, you know, I've I've grown, <laughs> I've matured. Yeah, I mean that's part of the reason why I haven't released the score yet because it's like you know, everything's clipping and it sounds crazy yeah. to me. And I'm like, Again, Oh man, we really could have done better on this, but it was my first, right. like, my first film. Like, you know, right. like it's, yeah, that's it's cool. the asterisk, right? That's the asterisk I mentioned. Put that there. That was my first film. Oh, I shot this yeah. on a seven D you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a DSL yeah, you're like film. making qualifiers <laughs> for yourself or whatever, yeah. you know? But like, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, Kale, thanks again, man. This has been great. Um, you know, we, uh, this one's been a little bit different. I feel like we didn't, it's where this is still like a massive work in progress for us as we're figuring out what this podcast even is, but it's great to have like friends like you on and just be able to like catch up and learn from you and hear from you. And, um, this has been a great way to, to start the year. So thank you, man. Seriously. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. 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 No, likewise. I'm, I'm very happy. We had this conversation. I look forward to looking back at it in another 15 years. So Okay. And being embarrassed. I love that. <laughs> I love that, man. I love That's that. That's great. Awesome. Hey, this is Steven again. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, it would help us out a lot if you would share it with a friend you think might enjoy it as well. To stay updated on new episodes, follow us on Instagram at Beautiful Failures Podcast. And remember to subscribe on the podcast platform of your choice. Again, thank you for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.